Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary PSL. Please join Executive Pastor Will Price for the message, Who Can Be Against Us? The title of my message today is, is Who Can Be Against Us? Who Can Be Against Us? Very excited about this message. We're gonna be in the book of Romans, chapter eight, if you wanna go ahead and start turning there. Um, one of the great difficulties of being a husband and a father is assembling things. Um, dads, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've been married for, what is it, babe, 16 years? We've, we've been 17 years? Oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> 17 years, we've been together 20 years total. Um, and we've had kids since 2005. Um, my son is, is, is 15, my daughter is 12. And over the years, I've had to assemble a lot of things. Um, from toys to furniture, and, and, and I don't know about you, you dads, and hey, you moms too, maybe you've assembled things too, but um, it, it's, it's not that easy. My, my family will tell you, oh, dad, he, gosh, he's an expert at this, like, he's so good at building things, but I gotta be honest with you, there's been many times when I've gone after a project, um, and I get, I, I get to going through it, and all of a sudden, I look at this thing that I'm building, and I think, Wow, things have turned out a little bit odd here. Like I followed, I thought I was following the directions and, and yet parts are not going together like they're supposed to be, right? Um, how many of you dads can relate? Come on dads, be honest, be honest. Okay, thank God I'm not alone in that. Um, I remember when my kids were five and two, my wife and I bought them a, a swing set, like a, a real swing set, okay? A wooden swing set with the tower and the double swings and the slide and the rock climbing wall. We were so excited. We got this box home. You know, my kids looked at the picture of the swing set and, and everybody was so excited and then we opened the box and found that it was in a million pieces. Parents, pro tip, uh, that picture, don't let it deceive you, um, that thing, that you're so excited to get your kids, it's gonna take some work putting it, putting it together. But anyway, so I, I get to putting this swing set together and I get towards the end of the project and I, I, I'm looking at what I've built so far and the parts that I have left and I think, wow, this, this is odd. Par these, these parts are not fitting onto the swing set like they're supposed to. Like I've been following the directions and now suddenly things have turned out a little bit a little bit odd. And you know, it occurred to me um, as I was preparing for this message, God gave me, reminded me of this swing set build, but it occurred to me that, that life is a lot like that. You know, we can be going through life, following the directions as best we know how, doing the right thing as best we know how, and, and things just turn out a little bit odd. I don't know about you guys, but 2019 was a great year for me both personally, professionally, um, just a fantastic year. I felt like I hit my stride in, 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 in my, my, um, my ministry and with marriage and parenting. Things were just going, I'm not perfect, um, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I, I just feel like 2019 was a great year. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> and things have turned out a little bit odd. You know, and, and if I could just be completely honest with you guys, I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm, I'm, I'm weary. I, I've been struggling to understand what in the world is going on. 
Like what's really going on? And, and maybe you can resonate with that, but like all of a sudden things are so odd on, on like this worldwide level. Nothing seems to make sense anymore. And, and if you're like me, you're going, man, I, I thought that we were on the right track. And yet here we are and things are, are a little bit odd. Um, but it's also personal, right? It's worldwide, but it's also very personal. And it's personal because when COVID hit, many of you lost your jobs. And if you didn't lose your job, you, you may have experienced, began to experience financial difficulty. And for those of you who are married, you know that when financial troubles hit, it causes marital issues. Last week I read that something like 60 to 70% of you became homeschool parents suddenly this year. And we know that that causes parenting issues. And so we, things have turned out very odd on a worldwide level, but it's personal. And, and I've had many conversations with you guys um, and, and I know that you're struggling and I know that you're, you're suffering and I know that you're looking at 2020 wondering when is this gonna end? When are things gonna get better? And I've been feeling the same thing, so I get it. Um, but I wanna tell you something this morning. Because I, I've, I've been wrestling with this stuff and I've been wrestling with God. And I feel like God gave me a word that has really impacted my life and I believe it'll impact your life as well. And before I tell you what that word is, let me just say this. There's a lot of people in our world right now who say, hey, listen, just forget this stuff is happening. Like, just do your best to not pay attention to, to the pain. And, and not pay attention to the struggle. Do, do your best to, to keep your eyes off of your circumstances and, and go find a goal or, 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 or just focus on work. Like, try to distract yourself. Like, people are saying that right now. But let me tell you what God told me. God told me, look at your circumstances. Look at your pain. Look at your struggle. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend that it's not there. I've got purpose in it. This is what God told me and I, I wanna tell you this morning and this is your big idea for this message. This is what God told me that I wanna share with you and it is this, that when I look at my circumstances, when, not when I ignore them, not when I pretend that they don't happen, but when I look at my circumstances through the lens of God's sovereignty, okay, through his sovereign plan of salvation, guess what? I can face all of life's difficulties with purpose and hope. So today we're gonna be in the book of Romans, chapter eight, verses 28 through 39. And, and what we're gonna do today is we're gonna, we're gonna unpack this idea. We're gonna unbox this. We're gonna break it down into small parts. We're gonna talk about God's sovereignty. We're gonna talk about things like foreknowledge and predestination and justification and calling and glorification, all these gigantic theological terms that um, honestly might make some of you uncomfortable. But my goal at the end of this is to give you hope and purpose. And, and, and what God showed me is that hope and purpose can come in our lives when we understand his sovereignty, when we understand his sovereign plan of salvation for our lives. And so you guys are in for quite a journey this morning. Uh, Saturday night service will tell you. Um, we're taking a deep dive. 
I mean, we're taking a deep, deep dive into some theological stuff that will blow your mind, especially if you're new to the faith. This stuff will blow your mind, but I, I hope that you can kinda hang with me here, okay? As we take this deep dive, I really believe it'll pay off once we get to the end here. But Romans chapter eight, uh, beginning in verse 28, before, before we get in there, I need to do two things. I wanna define the word sovereignty and I wanna give you a summary of, of Romans chapter, um, actually the entire book of Romans. Um, so I wanna define sovereignty and then I wanna give you a summary of Romans. Um, what is sovereignty? Okay, I have a definition for you guys. Sovereignty in biblical terms um, is God's supreme power, authority, and control over all things. Okay, in biblical terms, God's sovereignty is his supreme power, authority, and control over all things. Now, Romans 21.6 tells us that God is not only above all things, but he is also before all things. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.16 tells us that God created all things and that he holds all things together, both in heaven uh, and on earth, and things visible and invisible. And then Romans 11.33 tells us that God knows all things, past, present, and future, and that there's no limit to his knowledge because he knows everything completely before it even happens. And so that's, that's um, a picture of God's sovereignty. This is a, a definition of God's sovereignty. It's very important for us to understand this as we jump into this passage, passage that we're going um, to look at today. And if I could summarize the entire book of Romans, um, by the way, which is I found to be very difficult, um, Romans is so rich with theology. My, my grandmother, who we called Meemaw, she used to make this chocolate fudge that was so unbelievably rich. Um, it, 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 if you guys know what I mean, it's got that like, like gritty like sweetness. You, you, you take a bite and, and you have to like chew on that bite for a little bit and it makes your lips pucker up a little bit and, and, and you have to kind of wait for the next bite. It's like Romans is Meemaw's fudge rich, okay? That, that's my summary of Romans, okay? But no, but, but, but Romans is a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book of the Bible that is so rich in theology. Um, Paul, in Romans, uh, talks about God's sovereignty in light of uh, his, God's sovereign plan of salvation, I should say, in light of his wrath against sinners, but also uh, God's sovereign plan of salvation um, in light of his mercy and grace and the hope that we can have when we put our trust in Jesus, not only as Savior, but also as Lord. So, so that's my, my summary of the book of Romans. And what I'd like to do now is for us to go ahead and jump into verse 28, all right, verse 28. Okay, one more thing. You guys are like, can we just get to the passage? <laughs> can we put the big idea back up? I don't want you guys to, to forget this, okay? Maybe take a picture of it, write it down, I don't know. But th this is the impetus for, for everything that we're about to unpack, okay? And like I told you, we're about to do a really deep dive, but I don't want you to forget this, because this is kind of the glue that holds it all together and helps us understand where we're going, all right? 
The big idea today is that when I look at my circumstances through the lens of God's sovereign plan of salvation, I can face all of life's difficulties with purpose and hope. Verse 28. One more thing. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Verse 28, Paul says this. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What an amazing verse for our lives right now as we work through one of the most difficult years of our lives. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I love how Paul begins that verse. He says, and we know. And what Paul is doing there is he's, he's showing us that we can know with certainty, with certainty that once we're saved, we're always saved. Once we enter into a relationship with Jesus, there, there's nothing that can separate that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who struggle with the idea of once saved, always saved. And there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the reasons that people struggle with that is this lie, really, that even though God can't and won't fail me, that somehow I, I can fail God beyond repair. As if our finite existence somehow supersedes God's infinite and eternal existence and sovereign plan of salvation over our lives, right? It's a lie. It's a lie that, that as, a, as a Christian, as a true believer, that you can fail God beyond repair. Don't believe it this morning, Christian. Don't believe it. And we know, Paul is, is, is saying, listen, you can know with certainty that if you're a child of God, it's forever. It's forever. Amen. And we know that for those who love God. So here, Paul very quickly qualifies everything that he's about to say as, uh, uh, in such a way that he's saying that, that, that this, this thing that I'm about to unfold for you, it's for those who love God. So, so very quickly, he qualifies it um, to, to say that this promise is exclusively for those who, who really love God. And, and church, help me out here. What did Jesus say you would do if you really love God? You would... Keep his commandments, right? You'd be a, a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, not just in your words, but also in um, deeds. So we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I love what John MacArthur said about all things. Um, the phrase all things is utterly comprehensive, MacArthur says, having no qualification or limits. He says, neither this verse nor its context allows for restrictions or conditions. So what are we saying here? Well, what we're saying here is that all things means what, church? All things, right. And so no matter what your situation is, whether you're in a season of blessing or struggle or failure or victory, whether you're in your greatest season of purpose and hope or your worst season of faithlessness and doubt, God works all things together for your good. 
all things, not some things, not the things that you prefer, not the things that are going well for your life, no, all things, even the bad things, even, get this, the sin in your life. Now that makes some of you uncomfortable, so let me explain what I mean by that. Sin in and of itself is not good. We can all agree with that, right? Sin is, is like the complete opposite of good. We, we agree with that, yes? Okay. But what I need you to understand this morning is that God can take your sin and he can turn it around and, and overrule it and override its consequences. How? By bringing you to a place of repentance and healing, why? To make you more like Jesus, which is good. God works all things for your good. Um, I'm not suggesting that God uses sin as an instrument. I'm not suggesting that he creates sin in your life, okay? And parents, you understand this. We don't create sin in our kids uh, in order to make them good. They sin on their own. They're, they're, they, they lie, they cheat, they steal. They disrespect us, right? They do that on their own, but what do we do? We use discipline as a remedial tool, right, to make them good. We want them to learn from the bad to help them be good. God does the same thing in our lives. He does the same thing um, in our lives. And the greatest example of this, by the way, of, of God using Honestly, a really terrible sin for the good of his kids is seen in the death of Jesus Christ. I mean, God took the most evil sin that could be devised, right? The brutal murder of his son. And what did he do? He turned it into the greatest good for you and me, the salvation of our souls. He works all things together for good. And then he says this, for those who are called according to his purpose. What does it mean to be called according to his purpose? Well, one of the things that I love about scripture is that you can use scripture to interpret scripture. And so here at the, ver uh, the, the end of verse 28, Paul um, qualifies who this promise is for. It's for those who are called according to his purpose. And then in 29 and 30, he explains what he means by that. Okay, you guys following me? Okay, now put your seatbelts on, okay? Because this portion of scripture that we're about to go into is some of the deepest theological stuff that there is in the Bible. Honestly, I could take five weeks teaching the next two verses. Unfortunately for me, fortunately for you, Pastor Mike will be next, back next week, so we, we don't have five weeks. But what we're about to do is we are about to dive into five gigantic theological terms. We're gonna put them on the screen for you here. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. And what I need you to understand as we go through this is that what Paul is about to do is he's about to create for us a lens of God's sovereignty Right, and what happens when we look through that lens at our circumstances, do you remember the big idea? Put it back up there, John, if you would. What happens when we look through the lens of God's sovereignty? Say it. 
listen, I'm gonna need y'all's help. I, I feed off of you, okay? So let's try this again. Paul is about to create a lens for us, a lens of God's sovereignty, and when we look through that lens, what happens? Help me out. All right, you got it, thank you, thank you. All right, so here we go, verse 29. Paul says that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So for those whom he foreknew, what does it mean that God foreknew you? What is foreknowledge? Well, check this out from gotquestions.org. They say this, that foreknowledge is knowing things or events before they exist or happen. In Greek, the term for foreknowledge is prognosis, which means, or which expresses the idea of knowing reality before it is real and events before they occur. In Christian theology, foreknowledge refers to the all-knowing, omniscient nature of God whereby he knows reality before it is real, all things and events before they happen, and all people before they exist. Mind blown, right? So how do we make sense of this? Well, the way that I make sense of this is I think of God like a playwright, okay? And, and, I, and if God is a playwright, he, when it comes to all of our existent, existence, if God is a playwright, he is literally watching a play that he already created. Does that make sense? If God is a playwright, He's watching a play that, that he created and he chose the characters, he, he chose their development, he knows how the story ends, he knows how to get from, from the beginning to um, the, the end. That is the best way I know how to explain it, foreknowledge, okay? You guys with me? You got foreknowledge? Okay, now let's move on. He says, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What is Predestination. Well, the Greek word for predestination is proorizo, and it carries the meaning uh, of determining beforehand, ordaining, or deciding ahead of time. So, so what, what, what is this predestination thing? And by the way, b- before I, I go forward, let me just say this. Many people believe that the doctrine of predestination is something Um, best just left alone. I've even heard some people say that predestination is a theological curse word, (laughs) okay? Um, But what you need to understand is that here at Calvary, we believe that predestination is a biblical doctrine. After all, it's in the Bible, okay? And we can't just skip over it because it's controversial, because it's hard for us to understand. No, God has called us to go verse by verse through the Bible as a church, word for word, and so that's what, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at predestination, and, and, and also let me say this, um, I'm not a Calvinist, nor is this church Calvinist, okay? Sometimes when you, when you, when you go through portions of scripture, it might, it might feel that way or seem that way, but I just wanna make that clear, that I'm not Calvinist, 
nor is this church Calvinist. But let's look at predestination um, and wrestle with it for just a moment, okay? So pro arizo, determining beforehand, ordaining, deciding ahead of time. So what does this mean? Well, what this means is that God has a purpose and God has a plan that is determined before it ever happens and it will happen, okay? I'll also say this, that predestination also means that God is sovereign over who is saved. There's no way around that. He has to be. If he's either sovereign or he's not, amen? And so when it comes to predestination, God is sovereign over who is saved. Now, what we're gonna see in a moment is that when it comes to salvation, we are fully responsible for our decision related to salvation. And how those two things are compatible, I have no idea. But I promise you this, when I get to heaven, it's one of the first questions I'm gonna ask the Lord. <laughs> okay? So, so, so predestination, you guys kind of understand it. I know it's, it's mind-blowing, it's hard to understand. Um, I, I pray that you go home with your spouse or, or friends and you look at it and you try to understand it more than what I could communicate today in a, a, an hour-long message. But um, predestination, here in the context of verse 29, let's read it again, follow, follow with me, stay with me here. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and then very quickly, Paul connects this idea, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What does he mean here? Well, what he means here is that, 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 that God predestined those whom he foreknew to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. In other words, he, he predestines you as a believer to behave like Jesus. That, that's, your, that's your destiny, okay? And if your mind is not blown, um, then I don't know what will blow your mind. But this whole idea of, of foreknowledge and predestination, um, gosh, I wish, I wish I had another weekend to, to go through that, but I don't. So we have to keep going. Um, Paul goes on here with this idea, those who foreknew, he also predestined. And then he says this in verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Okay, those whom he predestined, he also called. Now, this is where, in the grand scheme of God's sovereign plan of salvation, that his foreknowledge and predestination intersects with uh, our lives and we are presented with a choice. Okay, you guys following me? Okay, this is, uh, in, in theological terms, what we would call the inward call of God. The inward call of God. This is not to be confused with the outward call. What is the outward call? The outward call is when I preach the gospel to you and tell you that Jesus loves you and that you need to repent of your sins and, 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 and place your faith in him. That's you hearing the gospel. That's the outward call. That's not what Paul is referring to here. He's referring to the inward call. This is where God, as the initiator, through the Holy Spirit, woos you and draws you and calls you to repentance and faith. Do you understand? And this is where we, on our own will, have a choice. Repent of my sins and follow Jesus or keep going my own way. Have you responded to the inward call of God 
in your life. My guess is that many of you have been coming to church weekend after weekend after weekend and you've been hearing the outward call. You've been hearing a pastor tell you that God loves you and that Jesus Christ died for you and that if you'll repent of your sins and put your faith and your trust in him, you will be saved. But have you responded to the inward call? My guess is that in the sovereignty of God, he's pursued you. With that still small voice, he's called out to you from within, saying, I love you, I want a relationship with you, all the things that you're chasing after in your life will not do, only I will do, have you responded to that inward call of God in your life. I pray that you don't leave here today without doing that. Paul goes on to say that for those who are called, he also justified. Justified, what does it mean that we are justified? I have a definition for you here. Baker's Biblical Dictionary says that justification is the declaring of a person to be just or righteous. In legal terms, this means acquittal, acquittal. And by the way, you guys understand that acquittal doesn't always mean that the person was innocent, it just means that at the end of the trial they were found not guilty. And the same is true with you and I. When we hear that inward call and we respond in repentance and faith and put our trust in Jesus, we're guilty of all the sins that we've committed in our life. But when it's all said and done, we're not found guilty because Jesus took our place. That's justification. Amen. You see, when you put your trust in Jesus, it, it, it in some way, and the sovereign plan of God collides with Jesus dying over 2,000 years ago, where Jesus took your sin, and in that moment when you put your faith in him, you get his righteousness. And now God looks at you just as if you never sinned. That's justification. And by the way, for those of you who heard the outward call just a moment ago and I'm praying God has that inward call for you, that's what's in store for you if you put your trust in him. You can leave here justified, just as if you never sinned. And I just have a word for those of you who are believers. Some of you are going through life and you are carrying the guilt and the shame of sins from your past that God doesn't even look at, that God has forgotten and forgiven. What are you doing? Stand in the justification that is yours today. Stop living with guilt and shame for what happened yesterday and start living in the truth that you are righteous in the eyes of God. I'm telling you, there is so much freedom that can come with that. Talk about changing the trajectory of your life. Stand in the freedom and the justification that is yours as a child of God. Can somebody say amen? One more thing, we're almost, we're almost there. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, watch this, he also glorified. Now for those of you who have been coming 
to church for a while, you, you've been a Christian for a while, I want you to see something here. I want you to notice that Paul doesn't say those whom he justified, he will one day glorify. You ever, you ever seen that? Those, he says, no, those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, in our finite existence, it's hard for us to understand this. We know that we're not living in a glorified state, right? So, so what's up with that? Why is Paul saying, why is, why is Paul talking as if it's already done? Well, here's why. Because God in his sovereignty knows how the story ends. God in his sovereignty sees a holy, immortal you without a sin nature who has direct, unhindered access to the presence of God. Oh, what a day that will be, amen? amen. God sees you like that. God sees you like that. And I, I know you look at your life and, and you see your struggles and you see your sin, you see your setbacks and you look at 2020 and you're like, definitely not living in a glorified state. Definitely not living in a glorified state. I, I, I feel that too. But what I want you to see today is that because of God's foreknowledge, and because of his predestination, and because of that calling that you responded to in repentance and faith, and because you're justified, and because God can know how the story ends and see you glorified, here, here, here's what that means for you, and here's what that means for me. God's sovereignty and his love for you is greater than any person, any problem, any setback, and any sin that you may, have, may experience in your life. This plan of salvation that he has, for you, this sovereign plan of salvation, it's an unbreakable chain of events that in his eyes, he's, he's already seen it, it's already happened. Remember, he sees the, the, the beginning um, all the way through to the end, and guess what? This is what I love about this passage here. God is cracking the door on his sovereignty for us to be able to see it. Yes, with dimmed eyes, yes, with, with, with our finite existence. We don't fully comprehend it, but God is giving us a glimpse at this. Here in Romans eight, he's cracking the door of his sovereignty just enough for us to understand our destiny as followers of Jesus Christ. Do you see this, church? Do you see this? Is it making sense now? John, can you put that, that big idea back up there? Does this make sense now? When I look at my circumstances through that lens, foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, glorification, when I look at it through that, I can face anything. I can face anything, right? And look at Paul's grand conclusion that he makes in verse 31. He's like, what shall we say to these things, right? That God foreknew me and he predestined me and then he called me, and I'm justified, and, and in his eyes I'm glorified. Like, what, what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. 
Who is to condemn? Listen to this. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What does that mean? He's got your back. He's got your back. There's no condemnation for you. Don't listen to that voice in your head. Don't listen to that person in your life who wants to bring condemnation against you because you messed up. Jesus has your back. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution. Ladies and gentlemen, it's here at a church near you. In the United States of America, churches facing persecution right now, threatened to close their doors. We can debate that all day long, it doesn't matter. The point is, we are under persecution and it's only gonna get worse. But, but what is he saying here? Is persecution, is that gonna separate us from the love of Christ? Famine, nakedness, danger, sword, COVID, job loss, financial troubles, marital stress, parenting issues, the personal struggles that you have in your life of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. What does he say? Look at verse 37. No. Say it with me. No. In what, how many things? All things were what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, Amen. yes. So church, I want you to understand the implications of God's sovereign plan of salvation for your life. He loves you and he is for you. And there is nothing that's gonna come into your life that he does not either decree or allow or already know about. Consequently, no matter what you face in life, all of the ups, all of the downs, you can take comfort in the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Let me finish with a story. So when my son was five or six years old, I took him rock climbing in Arkansas. We, um, we trekked our way to the spot, which by the way was, is, is a difficult path to get to the, the spot where we were climbing. Um, we top roped a, a route on a 50 to 75 foot wall, geared up, started climbing. I'm a skilled climber. Um, but that doesn't matter because there are inherent dangers with climbing, okay? Equipment can fail, you can fall, rocks can fall on your head, like all that stuff, okay? Um, but I'll never forget, as, as, as I was on this adventure with my, my, my young son who had never done anything like this, I'll never forget how along the way, as, as we trekked this path, and as he climbed from foothold to foothold to handle to handle, I'll never forget these, these three words that he would, he would say to me along the way. And those three words were, what's next, daddy? What's next, daddy? Like, so young, 
probably didn't understand all of the dangers involved in what we were doing, but I imagine at least to a certain degree, he knew that if he fell, it would hurt. But he just had this adventurous attitude of, what's next, daddy? I remember him up on that wall, where, where, where do I put my foot next, daddy? What's, what's, where's the next handhold? What, what's, where, where do I go next, daddy? And I would just guide him through that whole process. What I love about that moment is this childlike trust and faith in his dad to lead and to guide him on this adventure. And I just wonder what would happen if we had that kind of childlike faith and trust in our heavenly father that as we go through life with all of its ups and downs that we just said, okay, what's next, daddy? I I trust you. I trust you, what's next, daddy? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. We'd be able to go through life with hope and with great purpose. God bless you guys. 